every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. Here we go with a brand new week. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to Money Talk for Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, Chinese shadow banking giant Zhongxi Enterprise Group has filed for bankruptcy in one of China's biggest ever corporate failures. A Beijing court on Friday accepted the investment group's application for bankruptcy and liquidation, and the court said that ZEG's assets are insufficient to pay off all debts, and it clearly lacks the ability to repay in full. China is launching an anti-dumping investigation into liquor products like brandy from the European Union, escalating a trade spat between Beijing and Brussels. The move comes after the bloc opened a probe last autumn into China's electric vehicle subsidies. Officials at China's Commerce Ministry said its anti-dumping probe into brandy imported from the European Union followed complaints from the domestic brandy industry. U.S. job growth picked up in December and wage gains exceeded expectations. Employers added 216,000 jobs and the unemployment rate was unchanged at 3.7%. The non-farm payrolls number was up from a downwardly revised figure of 173,000 in November. Page showed signs of rising with average hourly earnings in December up 0.4% on the month and 4.1% from a year earlier. Hong Kong may take a year or two longer than expected to return to budget surplus, Financial Secretary Paul Chan said on Saturday. He attributed the delay to a sluggish city economy and reduced land sales, humpering government income. He didn't give a new deficit projection, but said that government coffers were estimated at about 720 billion Hong Kong dollars by the end of 2023-24, more than $110 billion lower than the year before. He also warned of increasing corporate tax and government service fees to boost income. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Michelle Lam, Greater China Economist at Societe Generale Corporate and Investment Banking. Providing a view from mainland China will be Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Scher. If you have any questions or comments, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'm also on Facebook, where my page is Peter Lewis Money Talk. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 ended Friday modestly higher, but all three of the major averages snapped a nine-week winning streak following a stronger-than-expected jobs report. The S&P 500 index rose 0.2% to end at 4,697. The Dow ticked higher by 26 points, or 0.1%, settling at 37,466. The Nasdaq Composite added 0.1% to finish at 14,524. The three major averages notched their first negative week in 10, with the Nasdaq suffering the biggest decline at 3.2%. The S&P 500 dropped 1.5% over the week, The Dow was the outperformer, dropping 0.6% over the five sessions. US Treasuries rebounded Friday after fresh data showed that the country's services sector slowed significantly in December, boosting hopes that the Fed could soon start cutting interest rates. Benchmark 10-year Treasury yields closed the week at 4.05%. 
The dollars rallied to start the year and it saw a volatile day Friday in line with Treasuries before ending the day flat. For the week, the dollar index was 1% higher. The yuan, the yen was unchanged on the day at 144.65 but saw a weekly decline of 2.5% as US yields climbed. The Chinese yuan managed to halt declines versus the dollar with onshore yuan back down around 7.14 renminbi compared to a weekly peak of 7.18. Spot gold prices were flat on Friday, trading at 2,045 a troy ounce, but remain 0.8% lower than the previous Friday's close. That's its first decline in four weeks. Brent crude oil settled at $78.76 a barrel, rising 2.2% for the week. And in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng fell 111 points, or 0.7%, to close at 16,535 on Friday. And the decline was the steepest for the first week of trading since 2000. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite fell 0.9% to close at 2,929, with the benchmark down 1.5% over the week. That's its sharpest weekly fall in at least a month. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 50 points higher. That's about a third of a percent this morning. Futures markets projecting an open of 16,589. You can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Time to welcome our Monday morning guest we have with us, Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Happy New Year, Alex. Happy New Year. And thank you. And also with us is Michelle Lamb, who is Greater China Economist at Society General Corporate and Investment Banking. Happy New Year to you, Michelle. Happy New Year, Peter. Thank you very much. Uh, Chinese shadow banking giant Zhongzhi Enterprise Group has filed has filed for bankruptcy in one of China's biggest ever uh, corporate failures. A Beijing court on Friday accepted the investment group's application for bankruptcy and liquidation. And the court said ZDG's assets are insufficient to pay off all debts, um, which are estimated at about uh, net, uh, net debts estimated at about $38 billion. Alex, why is Beijing prepared to let this company fail when it's at the heart of the shadow banking system? And a lot of individual investors here on the mainland are going to lose a lot of money, aren't they? I think uh, they took the stance that they don't want to do a massive pay- payout. I think uh, they already let uh, many um, property high-yield bond fail, and many actually property developers fail as well. So I think uh, the policies is that uh, they let the investor, investors bear their own mistakes and not uh, giving a uh, massive payout like uh, what we have seen in 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 the in the US. I think uh, this is the policy that uh, the Chinese government is doing. It's risky, isn't it? Because it, it could go wrong, and there could be some, you know, some real disruption from this, and also some very unhappy investors. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that's why we are seeing um, money coming uh, out uh, from China. So um, there's the, the risk that uh, people are not willing to take risk or pay, or, or they need to get a very high risk premium to invest in China. So we are seeing a general derating of Chinese assets right now, and that is a bit risky because uh, this is not easy to refinance the debt and also mm-hmm. not easy to use equities as well. So uh, the, 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 the whole engine of the economy actually uh, could, 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 could be quite bad. 
Um, Michelle, this is this is coming, of course, on top of the property slump. We've got weak domestic demand. We've got sluggish trade all weighing on the economy and also obviously the stock market uh, on the mainland down three years in a row now. Is this going to have an impact on consumer and investment sentiment on the mainland? Well, to some extent, I think uh, markets sort of expect that Zhongji is going to fail, uh, given that it already the, the news already showed up the last year. But I think it's probably slightly surprising that they got liquidated so quickly because if you look at um, the big uh, developers like uh, others, they haven't really got into a proper liquidation procedure. Hmm. So I think that really uh, shows the difference of the policymaker treating the the shadow banking um, companies related to real estate uh, versus the developers quite differently, which means that um, for the for the people who invested in these uh, like property assets, etc., um, it's quite likely that they're not going to receive a bail, as Alex suggested. But for the developers, they still have a lot of uh, unfinished projects um, to complete, um, and I think these are these really matters for social secu- uh, social stability, and that's why the government has been stepping in to provide a lot of funds uh, for these developers to finish the projects, and I think. Um, that is really the difference that I think um, that right now the policymakers are still going to provide funding support to some of the developers to make sure that uh, the unfinished projects will get delivered. And regarding to the point of whether um, what was the implication for this uh, failure, I think um, of course it's going to be the negative for consumer confidence for those people who invested in the property assets. But I think uh, people already prepared for it uh, since the beginning of the property crisis. So maybe the additional extra impacts uh, to the confidence is going to be minimal. I mean, it's, Alex, this is also presumably not going to do much to, to restore confidence in, in the minds of foreign investors. As you mentioned earlier, they've already been bailing out of um, Chinese equities. Seeing things like this presumably is not going to help them come back, come back into the markets. Of course, uh, we are not seeing them to come back uh, soon. And actually, uh, if you look at the consum- consumer sectors in, in, in Hong Kong, uh, I mean, the, the, the consumption stocks in Hong Kong, they are getting another round of derating. Last Friday, we got very encouraging data from Enter, but uh, the stock just failed to go up and then uh, actually close down. So that means uh, people are still um, uh, liquidating even the best uh, assets in Hong Kong. So I think uh, this round of derating actually would, 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 would still be um, going on. And and the point is uh, uh, this kind of derating actually is very risky because uh, if you're P ratio go down by two or three points, then the stock actually will still have a, a 10 to 20% downside. So I think uh, uh, people do not feel comfortable in investing in uh, in, in those um, uh, new economy stocks in Hong Kong and also the consumption stocks in Hong Kong. So that, that could uh, still drive the market lower. And this is also affecting consumption stocks elsewhere as well around the world, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, people are discounting that uh, the uh, Chinese actually will spend less. And I think uh, also the rise of um, brandless trend, um, like uh, products offered by Costco, Uniqlo, I think uh, 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 affecting the, the overall spending patterns of the world as well. So um, so that's why I think that we are seeing a, a run of uh, the rating in, uh, in brands in, in, in global market as well. 
And, and what do you make of this latest news about China targeting liquor uh, producers, um, which several people think is going to be retaliation for the EU's um, investigation into EV um, sort of subsidies? This obviously uh, affects French liquor makers in particular because they're some of the biggest uh, producers of, uh, of brandy. But uh, presumably this also is another sort of nail in the coffin for consumer sentiment. Yeah, right. I think uh, that could be, yeah, because uh, that would um, hurt the uh, uh, sentiment in, in, in other parts of the world. I mean, uh, those companies are dealing business with Hong, uh, with China, so it would hurt the uh, overall consumption sentiment. Uh, and and I think uh, eventually probably people would hope uh, for some kind of um, a deal uh, would be coming out. Um, and, and, the, and the sentiment towards the EV, uh, sectors in China actually would not be affected much. Right now, the exports actually uh, account for a very small percentage only. And I think uh, people are looking uh, for other markets, uh, other, uh, not EU, but probably Middle East and Russia for the exports. So I mm-hmm. think uh, that will not affect much on the EU stocks uh, in Hong Kong. Michelle, for the for the economy overall on the mainland, are you seeing any signs of a turnaround um, this year from the data that we've seen recently, particularly the PMI data? Um, if you look at uh, the latest services PMI, it seems to suggest that the things are doing a little bit better compared to manufacturing. Um, I think it's also to do with a seasonal factor, which is uh, we, we go to around the turn of the year, which uh, there are yeah, the people taking holidays to travel around the country. And um, there have also been some opening up in terms of the visa restrictions. So that probably also helps too. But um, I think if you look at the manufacturing PMI, quite interestingly, the official one was actually falling recently, but the Chinese one seems to be doing better. So I think overall, it's still a pretty mixed bag uh, in terms of the manufacturing sector. And um, I think um, going to the first quarter of this year, probably things uh, should start to look a bit better because we are seeing that the policy makers are starting to uh, inject uh, money into the economy. I think um, most specifically the fire the the PSL uh, landing uh, by the PDOC recently. So quite clearly they are really doing something about it. And I think in terms of the data, we're going to see it as in uh, in the pickup, in the infrastructure investments, and probably the decline in the property investments will also be uh, easing a little bit as well. Um, but I think if you talk about the, the major weakness in the economy, which is the consumption, um, it is still going to be affected very seriously because of the property price correction. And unfortunately, if you want to monitor the property situation in China, it's actually not that easy. Right? They, if you look at the prices, the official data tends to uh, understate the decline of the correction. So I think uh, I think based on anecdotal evidence, people are actually talking about maybe 20 to 30 percent of decline in the top tier cities. And it seems that the situation has got worse towards the end of last year. Um, so I think it's uh, the policymakers failed to re- uh, announce policy to really revive the confidence in the property sector. And we are looking for a, a slow burn, the correction in the property sector. And I think that's going to very bad to be very bad um, about consumption. Well, what do you think, Alex? Do you have any optimism that maybe we're going to see a turnaround this year? No, I don't think uh, we will see a turnaround easily. I think uh, this is just a repeat of uh, the Japan situation. So uh, we probably will see the downturn to last uh, years, I think. 
There is a difference, though, isn't there, between what happened in Japan in that China is focusing on certain industries that it really wants to boost, like electric vehicles, batteries, solar panels, putting a lot of effort, a lot of money into them to really try and boost those sectors, put extra investment into those sectors, and also obviously export those goods overseas. Is that going to be enough? I think uh, that it's uh, still the um, that the problem will still exist because uh, the 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 advocates of the world actually are not that friendly to Chinese products right now, and you probably got some, only several allies uh, like uh, Russia, Middle East. I think uh, that probably would be your your growth point. Even India are not that uh, friendly as well. So I think that the risk is that uh, the export market is not um, that um, easy to explore right now for Chinese goods, uh, not like um, we are seeing decades ago. Uh, and then I think that the, the, the property bubbles actually are, 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 actually are still a very major factor in the local consumption. So um, it's not easy to, to get back uh, to, to normal, I think, for China, because right now uh, investor sentiments around the world towards Chinese action actually is, is super weak. And I don't think uh, we would see a resumption of uh, appetite soon. So this is where like the um uh, uh the downturn will continue for years. So I think even though it's not like Japan, probably we are seeing see some some sectors getting boosted by policies, and and there are some still monies are inflowing into info into some some sectors. But I don't think the overall situation will will improve. Mm. Uh, Michelle, President Xi Jinping uses this phrase a lot now, high quality development. He said it in his New Year's address when he outlined the country's goals for this year. He said it uh, on at least 128 occasions last year. What, what exactly does he mean by that? When he says he wants to pursue high quality development, um, what exactly does he want to do? I think this phrase is uh, nothing new. Uh, indeed, uh, I think even going back to uh, maybe five years ago, the, China has always been the, trying to de-emphasize the pace, uh, the the quantity of growth, and switching the priority to to the quality. Um, and remember that uh, some analysts actually were predicting that maybe the Chinese government is going to abandon uh, announcing the GDP targets. And they've been uh, announcing uh, all sorts of plans to boost the, uh, the new infrastructure investments, which are including the uh, like 5G, like industry of things, uh, AI. And these things are really like uh, related to the quality. Um, but I mean, like, well, they t- he talked a lot about like quality of development, but the thing is, it's not that easy. It's not <laughs> just uh, simply just like talking about it. Um, I do think China has the advantage of mobilizing funds very easily by the government to these um, to these ideal sectors that they want to push. But uh, I think, um, well, whether they will they are going to succeed, I think it's, it's uh, it really depends. But um, I think if even if they succeed, I think it could create a situation of uh, oversupply, mm. which I think if you look at the renewable energy sectors, the battery sectors, it it really, for example, the renewable energy sectors, the stocks have not been doing great last year because there is a lot of concern about the oversupply uh, or along the supply chain. And this is why they are now trying to export uh, the these uh, um, these products to the rest of the world because China is good at producing it, but it is not very good at uh, stimulating the, the demand in domestic uh, country. 
in the in China itself. So the, so that's why they they need to export these capacities to the rest of the world. And I think um, um, probably to 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 some extent, I think it it's a situation that's going to take place uh, for some time. Then probably we don't have to worry so much about the the, the world talking about uh, uh, structurally high inflation because China is still a country that is uh, going to export deflation to the rest the rest of the world to to offset this factor. Well, the, the uh, but in terms of whether yeah whether China could uh, get out of this. Uh, this uh, deputification, I I guess it, it probably won't take 20 years. I think uh, well, China has not really been uh, experiencing uh, a property cri- a property correction for, for forever. And I think a couple of years of correction doesn't hurt. It's just what other countries also will go through. Uh, typically, when you look at the US, Spain, uh, South Korea, Hong Kong, these countries also take a few years to, to come back. Um, but uh, I mean, we, well, whether it's going to be a loss, uh, 10 decades, 20 decades, I think there's still a lot of policymakers, uh, the things that they can do to revive confidence uh, over over a few years. It's not going to happen just over a couple of months, but uh, we just need to look at it from a longer longer term perspective. But the problem is this oversupply that, that China um, is producing. There's very little um, willingness in the rest of the world, particularly in the US and the EU, to absorb that and to keep on having these huge trade deficits with China. Yes, that's why the, we, we're exploring new export partners from the Baron Road and from the Middle East. Mm. Um, Alex, let me ask you about um, Hong Kong. Um, Paul Chan was talking about uh, the budget deficits over over the weekend. There seems to be some concern that uh, the budget deficit is getting um, out of control here. And he was talking about maybe raising taxes, corporate taxes, um, other government um, fees. Is this starting to become a problem and something that we need to focus on this year? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, uh, this uh, budget deficit would, would last uh, several years right now because um, the problem is that we have been relying too much on land sales. And and I think um, this is very obvious that uh, it's very difficult to get land being sold. So I think uh, uh, that's why the major revenue in Hong Kong actually is uh, is being gone right now. And then uh, other parts, I think uh, we are seeing uh, contractions of uh, uh, business activities as well. So that's why we are very likely to see uh, the budget to remain in deficit. But the good point is uh, we do get some strong demands for for debt. So uh, probably the government is is still okay to go to to issue that. Uh, recently, we have a very strong uh, reception to the um, airport authority bonds. I think uh, that's uh, probably we 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 would see Hong Kong to use some more debt financing in the in the next few years. A lot depends, of course, of what they do with this debt, doesn't it? If they just raise more debt to give out more uh, sweeteners in the next budget and consumption vouchers, that's not going to be much use. If they invest it in good long-term projects, then maybe uh, it will be a different thing. But our budgets tend to be very dependent upon these short-term sweeteners. Yeah, I think that they will not give out uh, consumer vouchers. But the, the, the problem is that even the uh, normal operating expenses of the government is quite huge. So mm. I think uh, the problem right now, uh, we probably may not see the government spend money easily. But I think uh, even if they are prudent in, in spending, their they, 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 they normal budget actually is still too high. Michelle, how, how do you see um, Hong Kong's fiscal situation um, looking at the moment? Is it starting to look a little bit more pre- precarious to you? 
It is, but um, I think I've talked about this before, which is that um, well, a lot of countries actually have a fiscal debt. So mm-hmm. Hong Kong is in a very special situation that it always has like a lot of fiscal surplus to 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 use. But the the thing is, I I just don't don't really understand why people are so worried about raising that. But I think. To some extent, I think it's also right for the government to worry about that um, the the major fiscal revenue is going to be under pressure, maybe for, for on a structural basis. So I think um, he uh, well, in the news articles he also warned of uh, increasing the corporate tax and government service fees to boost income. I think um, it is something that um, p- presumably I think the government is thinking about like how what's the best way to really. Um, Find a new source of fiscal revenue that could be the that could be really really re- re- reverting the situation, and I'm afraid that that could be the even undermining Hong Kong's uh, competitiveness even more mm-hmm. because well, Hong Kong has always been competing itself uh, compared to other other economies like uh, Singapore, for example, in terms of the low tax regime. But even if, if that advantage is also lost, then I'm not sure how how what's the what's the kind of attractiveness it is that Hong Kong has uh, to international investors on this. So that is a bit uh, concerning. Okay. Now, US jobs growth, that picked up in December. Wage gains exceeded expectations as well. Uh, Employers added 216,000 jobs. The unemployment rate unchanged at 3.7%. And... um, Non-farm payrolls was up from a downwardly revised figure of 173,000 in November. Um, Alex, at first sight, the headline number... Um, here look quite good, but when you start digging into these uh, numbers, wasn't so um, wasn't so pretty, was it? Because there were some rather worrying um, things here, like the decline in the participation rates, uh, the number of uh, people in employment dropped quite sharply. What, what did you make of this data? I think uh, eventually we will see some slowdown, but of course the job market is, is still quite resilient. I think uh, the market actually would expect the mark, uh, U.S. economy to slow down a bit uh, uh, into this year. So um, that is uh, in line with with, with the expectation. Uh, the real key would be inflation, I think, uh, because uh, uh, the point is uh, people are expecting uh, rate cuts this year, and they expect a very aggressive rate cut. Um, so um, I think the focus should be on inflation instead of the job market. The job market actually should be okay, uh, not too bad. And then I think uh, if inflation come down and then we are seeing some signs of weakness, probably the Fed would start to cut rate. So I think that is the market uh, consensus right now. So I think the focus really is on inflation instead of the job market. The job market actually is uh, had been resilient and expected for quite some time. Do, do you think inflation in the US uh, is going to come down further this year? I think so. I think, uh, as the Mr. Paul now, I think that China would go would would be going to export some deflation in the world uh, to the world, and then I think um, uh, the overall commodity market actually are coming down, and PPI actually is, uh, had had been had, had been always weak. So I think uh, we are going to see uh, CPI to come down finally. So uh, I think that this year probably the inflation will come down. Michelle, it hasn't panned out really, has it, in the US, how many economists, many macro strategists thought at the beginning of the year. They, they were saying that uh, interest rates were going up so sharply that indebted businesses would fail quite quickly. Consumers would draw in their horns. Recession would uh, would come along. Hasn't really turned out that way. But what about for, for this year? Do you think maybe there's a delayed reaction to all these um, interest rate hikes? 
Yeah, many people have got it wrong. <laughs> but uh, for this year, I think it's finally the the time of reckoning, which means uh, we're probably going to see some slowdown in the U.S. And uh, my bank's U.S. economist uh, is expecting uh, uh, a shallow recession around the middle of this year. Um, but in terms of the Fed policy rate, um, even though we're not going to have a, a notable slowdown, I uh, agree with what Alex mentioned, which is the people are now focusing on the CPI. So as long as the CPI is coming down, then the Fed is uh, feeling more comfortable to cut rates. And especially this is going to be an election year. So I think uh, the Fed policy is going to be uh, on the easier side, uh, most likely. But I think in terms of whether uh, is going to cut rates as like 150 basis points mm. that the people the markets were pricing in previously i think people are probably too optimistic about this alex what do you make of the market reaction we're now seeing the beginning of this year um global stocks and bonds in their worst start to a year since 2003 and that's sort of almost the complete opposite of what we were seeing at the end of last year where we were having the best uh, sort of period for, for for many many years for for global stocks and and um, and bond markets how do you explain these these extreme swings in sentiment that we're seeing at the moment? I think first of all, uh, we are in an extremely overbought situation uh, going to, into this year. So uh, we are seeing some kind of correction. And then we got a downgrade uh, on Apple that is also hurting sentiment. I think uh, the correction magnitude actually is not too worrying in the US right now. Uh, we are seeing some stabilization uh, on last Friday. Uh, but I think the theme actually would be diversification. This year, probably, um, the magnificent seven may not be that strong. I think uh, the people actually may, may like to pick up other laggers or value uh, in other other parts of the market. So um, overall, I think uh, this is just a correction uh, of the strong rally last year. And then uh, we are seeing some kind of um, consolidation. Um, not too bad. I think uh, people probably would still expect uh, rate cuts and 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 seeing some um, values among other sectors. But I think uh, the strategy is not to focus on the magnificent sevens. I think uh, Apple weakness actually is a concern, and then probably I think uh, uh, Microsoft, Nvidia probably would be the leader in the AI theme. They would still be okay, but other uh, big cap, mega cap, I think uh, may not be that. Uh, may not repeat the miracle uh, last year. Mm. Do you think, Michelle, people are getting too carried away with short-term sort of moves and trying to guess what the Fed is going to do at the next meeting and whether the next piece of inflation data is going to be up or down? The the, the fact of the matter is long-term, um, inflation is going to be higher than what we've been used to, isn't it, over the past few years? And interest rates are going to certainly be higher uh, than, than what we've been used to. So regardless of what happens in the short term, uh, medium to long term, um, this sort of like free lunch that we've had uh, for the past few years is over um uh, i think based on the investors experience last year i think it is still uh, good to position yourself uh, with some uh, to be nimble to not to be too uh to overconfident in your positions um because mm-hmm. the the fact the the swings could the mount the market swings could go the either directions very quickly so i think the in terms of the probability of direction of Fed policy traveling, people are more confident. But I think in terms of the structural factors, uh, people are still, it's still good to be uh, like cautious. Yeah. And Alex, finally, let me ask you about Hong Kong. We're now in the worst start to the year since 2005. At the end of the last year, people were thinking, surely it can't get any worse. Um, it, it has. 
Yeah, I think uh, Hong Kong is still experiencing a very uh, severe derating. As I've said, uh, the consumption sector actually is very worrying. Uh, and then uh, we could still see um, another 10 to 20% downside if we ask, if we see some more derating. I think it's not about earnings, it's about the, the, the valuation. I think uh, even at this level, people are not feeling comfortable. Because if you look at May 1, actually, if you... You 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 may feel it is cheap around one hundred, but but it come down to below eighty in just two months. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, people view Hong Kong as a still a very risky place to to bet. So and 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 for the old economy side, actually um they are affected by the uh, property market downturn. So uh, just um those uh, stocks like HSBC, China Telecom sector, and uh, uh and and some resources are are all being okay. So I think uh. It would continue like be like that. So um, we are continue. We, we may see the market to go down uh, further, but the but the index may not reflect that because of the strengthening several several bull chips. Uh, but uh, the overall sentiment actually is quite bad, and this is not being indicated by the index. So I think uh, it is still a little risky in 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 certain sectors in Hong Kong right now. If you wanted to put your neck on the block, do you think the Hang Seng is going to be higher or lower by the end of this year? I think it's still going to still going lower, uh, because um, the the devaluation actually is uh, very severe. I think uh, uh, it is very likely to drag down the whole for market eventually. So I think Hong Kong is going down this year. Okay, well, thank you very much for your thoughts. Have um have a great week ahead. You heard there, Alex Wong, who is director of Alex K Y Wong Asset Management. Michelle Lam, who is Greater China Economist at Societe Generale Corporate and Investment Banking. <laughs> I'm joined now by Andy Sher, who is a Shanghai-based independent economist. Morning, Andy, and Happy New Year. Good morning, Peter. Happy New Year, too. Uh, let me ask you, first of all, about the, the news over the weekend, the failure bankruptcy of Zhongzhi um, Enterprise Group, which is at the, the heart of the, the shadow banking system. A lot of individual investors, mainly rich ones, of course, are, are going to lose a lot of money there. Um, why is Beijing prepared to let this company fail? Uh, well, I think that it's, uh, uh, it's a shadow bank. Uh, I, 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 and it's involved. It involves uh, 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 individual uh, in, uh, money from individuals, and uh, I, I don't think the government would ever pay out something like that. Mm. So I think the, the shadow banking system, uh, the banking regulator said, at the beginning of last year, twenty nine trillion, high risk, basically uh, toxic. So I assume all their money will be lost. So this is one of those. I think it's about a 3.2 trillion RMB. So it's it's a small it's a part of, a small part of uh, of the overall problem. Mm. But there are others, of course, aren't there as well in the shadow banking sector who presumably have the same problems. Does this have any sort of economic impact in terms of maybe impact on consumer sentiment and people's propensity to go out and, and spend? Is there any economic fallout from this? Well, China is uh, uh, you know, it's going in two different ways. One is that uh, the, uh, the blue-collar workers – uh, have uh, uh, a lot of bargaining power because of labor shortage. Uh, their salaries continue to rise. Mm. So I think the basic consumption is still okay. But uh, in terms of uh, uh, like the high, uh, the, the wealthy people, they are losing money in the shadow banking system, obviously, and the stock market is not doing well. 
the property market is going down. The, la- the land basically is not liquid anymore. Uh, so I, I think that the demand for uh, uh, luxury stuff, like uh, let's say Ferrari or <laughs> or like uh, uh, Hermes bags, uh, that 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 kind of thing is really deflating. Mm. I mean, the, the the trust industry in China is obviously a key alternative funding source for some of those weaker borrowers who can't get regular bank loans, such as developers, some local government financing um, vehicles. Um, does this have an impact on, on them if we start to see, you know, these particularly if these problems widen across the shadow banking sector in China? Well, the shadow banking sector hasn't been lending for, for a while. So I think that, uh, uh, and uh, uh, this is the reason why, uh, a lot of local governments are, are distressed because uh, they don't get money uh, from property developers anymore. So mm. it's been going on for over a year. But uh, the uh, uh, but in term, uh, uh, what's going on now is that uh, uh, how the losses are being realized. Okay, and I I always believe that the government would not bail out the shadow banking system. They, they let it grow uh, precisely for that for an outcome like that. Mm. They tighten up the lending uh, criteria for uh, the state-owned banks. Then the shadow banking system uh, rose about a decade ago, and it was it it happened by by for a reason. So that's why now what's going on now uh, is uh, is logical. Do you think Beijing, President Xi Jinping, can keep their nerve? Because this um, could lead to some economic turmoil, couldn't it? Are they going to stick with their resolve of um, not providing money to you know shadow banking uh, lenders, to property developers? Can they no, do that? No, absolutely not. They will let the shadow banks all die. They will? I believe. Okay. Yeah, they will. Yeah, because the economy is... Uh, uh, you know, including all these shadow banks in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, much of the Hong Kong banking system, financial system, all these guys in Central are really shadow bankers. Mm. They are bust, but just they don't know. Uh, they don't want to recognize that. Mm. I think that the issue is that what happens to China after when these guys are gone. It's okay. They were pumping money into property, property uh, developers, and they, then they pump into uh, local governments. And now a lot of local governments don't have money to spend. Uh, they just have to become smaller and smaller. The impact on ordinary people is limited. Mm, mm. So do, do you think um, the medicine that, uh, that Beijing is, is dishing out, is that going to uh, be enough to sort of revive the economy this year? No, I think the economy will, uh, will be uh, uh, kind of... Uh, uh, in a tough situation for many years. Last year, uh, it grew by <coughs> a little bit over 5%. Uh, and a lot of people think that uh, this year is going to be uh, better. I don't, I don't think so. I think that uh, uh, the, the reason is because the last year we got a low, low base bounce in both uh, domestic tourism and in, in, uh, in automobile. And uh, we're not going to see uh, uh, these two uh, uh, repeating performance. Mm. Uh, the export might improve a little bit because there was an inventory problem in the electronics sector last year. So, but I think 5% is going to be a struggle. Mm. The, the, the problem- China, the, the low growth is not in the, uh, uh, such a challenge anymore because the labor market, there's a structural labor shortage. The youth unemployment uh, problem is related to all these college graduates who don't want 
uh, blue collar jobs. Mm. <laughs> and so they have to figure out what they want to do with their lives. And the economy cannot uh, provide so many uh, white collar jobs no matter what. If you mm. create a bubble like in the internet sector or in the property sector, you might, might create some white collar jobs, but uh, they're not sustainable. The, the government wants to put a lot of resources, doesn't it, into certain sectors that it sees as being a priority, like things like electric vehicles, solar panels, batteries, and the like. But is that going to be enough to sort of hold yeah. up the economy and also provide the jobs that, that are needed for uh, for all these unemployed youth? Well, yeah, I, the issue is that the property sector deflating. The impact is more more. Uh, uh, is felt more imme- immediately, uh, mm. <clears throat> and uh, the local government is getting cut off, uh, so they cannot spend like before. On the other side, is that the resources resources are being reallocated to uh, uh, more competitive industries, uh, like uh, like uh, what he mentioned, the solar and EV, but mm. uh, but. Uh, it it happens over time, so mm. uh, so you, you you cannot switch quickly, uh, and and the more uh, 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 kind of a, uh, you know, the the solu- you you could do a demand side solution more quickly by uh, let's say uh, tax cards or some kind of a, 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 a payment to the household sector like what happened in the United States, but Chinese government wouldn't do that because the uh, it's a priority is uh, defined by this this uh, rivalry with the U.S. or the U.S. containment containment strategy, so uh, uh, you know it, it wants to pour resources into uh, technology independence, uh, and uh, uh, I think that that that's what uh, they are doing. But it's not the the demand impact is not the, uh, it's not enough to offset what's going on in the property sector. And, and is this what President Xi Jinping means when he talks about high quality development? That's the phrase he's used many times now, including in his New Year speech where he set out uh, the economic goals for this year. Is is that what he means by high quality development? I think high quality, yeah. yeah, yeah. One is uh, national, uh, national security uh, uh, trumps everything else. That's mm. uh, one, one layer of its meaning. The other is that, uh, that uh, uh, the government will not bail out the property uh, shadow banking sector. Mm. So all, uh, because that, uh, the government basically buckled every time uh, when the bubble uh, deflated, like in 2008 and a couple of times uh, uh, afterwards, because that, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the sector is so large, a lot of people over there inside have influence, especially shadow bankers. They have a lot of money. They don't have a whole lot of to, to do. So, and they have a big voice. And uh, so, uh, the, you, you, the, all these negative uh, uh, words you hear about uh, in terms of government policy towards the property sector usually come from those guys. And uh, and uh, and they're still trying to uh, to get the government to do what uh, it did in two thousand eight, or or the U.S. government did in two thousand eight. Basically, quantitative easing to bail these guys out. Uh, basically, Xi Jinping is saying that uh, it's not going to happen because his priority is uh, is really uh, related to the United States. 
So, so what's, uh, you guys are not important anymore. So what's going to happen at the end of the year? Because it sounds like you, you're not overly optimistic that things are going to improve in just one year. It's going to take longer um, than that. If, if yeah. the economy is still uh, sluggish, is, is still struggling uh, to get over the problems in the property sector, recover from uh, the, the, the sort of economic measures that were going on during the pandemic, um, what, what next can the government do or w- would it do? I, I think the government will not do much. Basically, let it go. Really? So the economy is going to uh, slow, uh, grow relatively slowly. Mm. But uh, during the meantime, the resources are being reallocated to more competitive industries and new activities are going to happen, including uh, now, one, uh, now it's becoming well known, the EV sector. Uh, China is going to become uh, uh, the, the dominant uh, player in the global automobile sector. That's very important. Then we see solar, we see space, uh, and uh, uh, new materials uh, uh, and a semiconductor, all these sectors are going to rise over time. Well, well the main impact, oh, of course, there will be a growth impact. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the, uh, uh, in terms of e- macroeconomic impact, it will force the government to let the currency appreci- appreciate. So China will become a high-income economy, not because of a really very fast growth, because of a currency appreciation, just like what happened in Japan, in Korea, in Taiwan. Mm. Ultimately, uh, econ- uh, will you become high-income uh, economy because that you are so competitive that your currency has to become more like a, a, a rich country's currency, basically strong. So the currency value will go up. But who's going to buy all these electric vehicles and that, that China produces because it doesn't have enough domestic demand uh, to absorb that itself, all this overcapacity. And right now, um, the, the EU, the US are just not willing um, to absorb all that excess capacity and see their trade uh, deficits with, uh, with China surge even more. Well, I think the EU is not in a good position uh, really to, uh, they, the EU is talking, but not doing anything. If they do something to Chinese uh, 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 com- companies, China surely will retaliate by doing something to U- European automakers in China, and they sell a whole lot more in China and make a whole lot of money. Uh, it's basically, it's a European auto sector survival depends on the Chinese market. So I, I don't think that Europe is in a position uh, to do much. I think the US will try to block Chinese uh, uh, EVs. The current 25% and tariff probably will be increased at some point because the U.S. auto sector is not viable. It hasn't been viable for a long, long time. So, mm. uh, so But uh, the U.S. is only 15 uh, million units. Uh, the global uh, uh, size is now 80 million. Uh, and Chinese uh, uh, EVs will become much cheaper over time. And also, the, uh, a big advantage of EVs is that its operating cost is very low. The fuel cost it now is one kilowatt hour go, goes uh, five kilometers, and uh, that uh, range it only goes up depending on how much the oil price is or what electricity price is at where you are. Uh, the, the, the advantage is huge. In China now, it's five to one. And in Europe, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's less than that, but it's still a big advantage. In the United States, not much, uh, not, not so much, because the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the oil prices, uh, the gasoline prices are low, and, and, uh, 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 and the electricity prices are high. So it depends mm-hmm. on where you are. But for emerging economies, the global south, if they are going to be like China. The uh, the EV will have huge operating uh, advantage. So uh, as the price of an EV comes down, more and more people will be able to afford 
uh, uh, cars. So the whole market will grow above uh, 100 million units before 2030. So Chinese uh, uh, companies could, by 2030, sell like a, a 20 million cars outside of China. And the Chinese market is, is 30 million, will become largely Chinese. Mm. So eventually, China will, will account for over half of the global auto sector. Well, very interesting. Andy, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed once again and have a great week and a happy new year. That's Shanghai-based independence economist Andy Sher. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Thank you for listening this morning. Do please take a look at my daily newsletter, which has more information on some of the topics we've discussed today. You'll find that at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, Richard Harris, Chief Executive Officer at Port Shelter Investment Management, and our US Economics Correspondent, Writer and Broadcaster, Barry Woods. See you tomorrow. Money Talk.